The unmarked body is a raw, inarticulate, mute body. It is only when the body acquires the marks of civilization that it begins to communicate and becomes an active part of the social body. David Levi Strauss, from his essay, Modern Primitives. So, I guess it always comes down to why, because I know that I needed to do it. I know that you know that you needed to do it. So many people do this. They have this drive to do this. But honestly, in my lifetime, I never asked... I don't think I asked why this way. I think I asked why I wanted to do something, but it was never the real reason. Right. It was, you know... Well, it is the real reason. Okay, so it is the real reason. It is the real reason. Right. But, but the real reasons fall into certain categories. <laughs> which is, like, it, it can be filed, because all things can be filed. Um, which is very useful. Yes. Well, you... you <laughs> in understanding things. I like order. Right, but we and know. And also chaos. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, here you go. You've got to have a balance of the two, right? Right. Okay, so there are two reasons that you would desire to modify your body from an anthropological perspective. Generally, it falls into one of two categories. It's either for social status or to describe your place in your society's hierarchy or for spiritual or religious reasons. It pretty much, that's it. Um, There's many kind of categories that can fit into both of those spaces. Um, And sometimes a modification can fall into both categories, but it usually leans in one direction over the other. See, this is where it gets wacky for me, not just because I didn't know that there were categories, like this is why academia is so important, because we can distill ideas. Right. But, you know, beyond that, I I didn't know, and I, I didn't know the root, so... And, and it's not necessary to know. I'm just a nerd when it comes to this stuff. Well, that's why we love I it. I like understanding the hows and whys of things. Absolutely. So... Social status is probably the most common category that we see. Um, If you look across cultures, you're going to have many modifications relate to social status. Social status relates to things like your age group or your rank in your community. So um, going through a rite of passage that marks puberty, male and female, often includes some kind of permanent marking of the body in many, many cultures across the world. Um, It is very important to mark especially a rite of passage from youth to adulthood um, because it marks you now being of age so that you can get married, you can have an opinion about what happens in your community, um, and all that kind of stuff. That's where... I, I know we talked about this the other day, and we've talked about this before, and we, as human beings, we all pick up different aspects of things. And as a kid, seeing people modified, it never occurred to me why. I just thought, oh, you you have ornaments, you have decoration. They want to look pretty. They want to look pretty, and like <laughs> that, that looks cool. Or, yeah. And that's as far as I took it, but it never occurred to me until I talked to you that this isn't just you'd have this. This marks... This occasion. Very specific thing. Right. So, yeah. Um, often it shows your clan or tribal affiliations, your ancestry, who your parents, your great-great-grandparents are, um, where you're from. So if your your family is from a different place than you are currently at, you might mark that on your body. Um, it also, a lot of marks show um, your skills or your wealth. Um, there's many traditions where 
your wealth is displayed on your person. Um, so you would wear every single piece of jewelry that you own. So the more bling you have, the more wealthy you are. Uh, there's lots of cultures that's, that do stuff like honestly, that. Honestly, that's one of them. And that until you said it, it never made sense to me in the modern sense why people do it. And I don't think people necessarily always are aware of that. Right, right. Yeah. We have this history, you know, going back for tens of thousands of years at least. Um, even things like uh, marks that would enhance your attractiveness, that relates to your status, um, that today we could consider cosmetics and hairstyles and um, maybe even... Um, certain clothing that you wear is, is falling into that category. Um, I always think of it as a social camouflage. Yeah, ab- I mean, away, absolutely. Yeah. You're definitely... I'm trying to be this thing. <clears throat> right. Right. Exactly. Or, you're like, or I am this thing. Right. And this, it's, and I'm going to demonstrate it in a very obvious way. So we do it way. for attractiveness. We also do it for... To, yeah, to like, scare the crap out of you. Yeah. Um, so fierceness. So if you look at a lot of old... Um, uh, like the illustrations oh, okay, yeah. from um, the, I don't, I don't even know, old illustrations yeah. of uh, even Romans or uh, Europeans when you said describing illustra- um, marks that indigenous people would have. So like the Picts described by... Or is it George Caitlin who documented like some of the native peoples in this uh, in this land? Like... They have these marks, and they do this ritual, and it's like, oh, that's that looks fierce. right, and it looks yeah. yeah so they, a lot of those marks are intended to make the the warrior look more fierce, um, and would also describe like you'd have to be pretty badass to get tattoos like that. So mm-hmm. it would speak to your actual skill level, as much as it just makes you look like a scarier. That's there's so much information. Um, but all of it relates to finding an appropriate mate. Right. Right. So that's all social stuff is, is finding another person to procreate with and make sure your genetics are passed on the fir- to more generations. The first generations. time you ever said that, I, I think my head exploded. Mm-hmm. And I remember there, there were many times that I would argue with you and go, well, this can't be for this reason. You know, nope. Look at how many steps you removed from it. But that's exactly what it is. Yep. That's always what it is. Always. Mind-numbing. Always that's what mind-numbing. It is. And then spiritual and religious stuff. There's more obvious and there's less obvious. So um, costumes or uh, paint that you would put on to mark um, a liminal space. So um, if you're doing a ritual, you would wear ritual clothing. You would wear ritual paint. You would have ritual accoutrement. um, And that would mark you as being in not the real world. Um, Also, even just like festival days you know we don't yeah. really have festivals so much anymore in that way but a harvest festival would have been had in in any small town or community um honestly the two that popped into my head were uh children at baptism in countries where christianity is the norm oh, yeah. like they must be dressed in white right absolutely. and this is only for this ritual right or the abstract counter to this which is probably i'm sure you'll uh, is the ugly sweater Christmas thing where people have parties and you have to wear this thing uh-huh. and it's like, well, is that really modification? Well, well yeah. Yeah, it clothing. is. Yeah. And that counts. Wow. Um, but it, yeah, that's so things that you would wear to, to mark 
a, a special occasion. Mm. Um, also, like uh, marks or clothing that would help the, the person who has them on gain entrance to the afterlife. That could be put on before their death and also after their, their passing. Um, those would be considered spiritual marks. Um, you also have modifications or... Um, additions to the wardrobe that give the bearer special powers or connect them to spiritual beings. You have amulets, you have like, tattoos that would do that, body paint that would do that. All of these things kind of fall into that spiritual category. Um, also, this one I find fascinating. Uh, marks, so there's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, okay. okay. So no, the Iceman, the, the, yeah. the oldest mummy that we have that has tattoos... It is, yeah, I think is it the, the oldest? oldest? I thought there yeah. was some Germanic, uh, Gallic uh, princess or something that might even be older. I didn't, I didn't think she was older. I, it doesn't and, really and matter. And it doesn't matter. 5,000 years ago a long is time pretty old. Ago. So he has two different kinds of tattoos on his body. One look like they're just decoration, and one are in very particular places, and they're just dots or lines. Um, and the ones that are just dots and lines are for medical reasons. He has arthritis in every joint that he has those marks in. That would be seen as magic. You would get tattooed in a place, and then that place would stop hurting because you're activating your immune system. Right. Like, Which we understand the science. <laughs> I remember even when they first came out, they are like, I don't know why you'd have tattoos there. And then recently people are talking about, because uh, tattooing stimulates the response of, you know, your body's system to protect itself. It stimulates your ability to deal with certain things, mm-hmm. which we'll get into, but it... It's amazing. Like, no, it's not just frivolous marking. These all are done right. for a reason. Right. But the thing that I think is most interesting is that it would have been considered magic. So those Absolutely. marks fall into that spiritual category because magic. Magic. Um, you also have marks that um, divert illness and evil, which are uh, the same thing in right. ancient times. Right. Like, they wouldn't understand what was causing illness. So it's really just to prevent evil. And I feel like that's a whole different discussion. It's yeah. just that human beings don't recognize the forces of nature, the forces of natural events as being, uh, having a cause. Like, other than yeah. it's just bad. Yeah. It's the boogeyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, finally, any kind of alteration that would mark your spiritual rank. Um, if you move up in rank, so if you're a... Um, I, I mean, think certain religious traditions, they change hats depending on... Right, what part, absolutely. Right, yeah. That totally falls into that category. So those really are kind of the, the ways that you can look at spiritual and religious kind of tattooing. Um, anything that's not... I don't know. You had a good term the other day, and I can't remember it. Um, anything that's kind of more related to the mind. Yeah, well, I, I remember <clears throat> channeling uh, George Carlin because he talks about... He made a joke about how he look at all these different faiths and nobody gets along, and they're all wearing different hats. <laughs> and there might be something to that. And I always laugh because people are like, yeah, it's funny. I'm like, no, but that's, it's the same as, you know, somebody comes up here into the New England area and they bring a sports jersey from New York. They're going to have problems mm-hmm. because we simplified it down into this ranking system. Like, you're not wearing the right hat. But no, this happens everywhere. Like, it's not just this. Right. Or it's not just religion. Or it's not just you know, what we think of as tattooing and piercing, this spreads across everything we do, mm-hmm. you know? It's, it's wild stuff. Yep. Um, so things that 
Um, we rank them in order, too. Like, some things are more permanent than others, right? Right. Well, so, yeah, anything that you can't remove from your body marks something that is not ever going to change. This is true. Um, things that are temporary tend to relate to temporary situations, whether it's, you know, for a day or a period of your life or um, what your current profession is. Um, so you always, those those kind of keys are um, kind of also play into the categories. So you can tell if a marking is permanent, it's probably more important to a certain degree. Although that, you know, like in a rite of passage, you would have the marks that are made on your body that are permanent for the rest of your life. And you would have the costume that you would wear to go through that experience. Costume is very important. Right. Like a wedding dress. But the marks that are permanent mark you as having gone through the experience. So they're like, they're more important in the long right. run. Right, because they're the permanent thing. Right. And the other ones, like you said, it's just the, it's like it's like the dress that we put on to go through the experience, and then the mark is the proof of going you through. going through the experience. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so in the end, modification is a non nonverbal form of communication, and it allows us to identify one another. Traditionally speaking. Um, without knowing anything about one another. If you are from a community that has very strict rules about what what you wear, what paint you wear, what tattoos you get, all of that kind of stuff, when you encounter another person from your community or from outside your community that culturally is similar, you already you know exactly what you're walking into. You mm. have the, the conversation has already been had. Right. Um, so if you are a higher rank person and you encounter someone who is of lower rank, the ant- you anticipate that they are going to defer to you in any conversation or situation. And if you were the lower ranking person, then you know you're the one that's going to defer. Um, it helps keep society organized. Um, and it, it's an, a really fat, the fascinating part about it for me is that, um, it's a hum- it, the human animal behavior, when we encounter one another, we automatically assess. The first, like, 10 seconds, you assess right. size and symmetry and what the person's wearing and what the person's, what you, you make many assumptions about a person yeah. when you first encounter them. And that's, like, our animal brain because we need to know friend or foe, predator or prey, like, is this a dangerous situation? Is this not a dangerous situation? And... Then we culturally took that and made rules about it. Which, adds, see, that screwed me <laughs> up every single time because we're at such a point now. I, I point this out to people. I'm like, you know, we domesticated the dog somewhere around 600,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. But we need this gentleman, Caesar Milan, to explain to us what dogs are doing. Right, right. Because we have <clears throat> substituted these symbols and rituals and then we apply them to the rest of the natural world. Most people don't understand what animals are doing. Right. You know, my dog loves me. He licks my face. Your dog is trying to get you to vomit up what you were eating because that's his pack behavior. I'm not saying he doesn't love you, but he's not kissing you. Although, to be even more disturbing, that might be something we did at one point in time. I know that bears don't know what they're supposed to eat in the wild. 
bears have to be taught by other bears what to eat. Otherwise, they eat poisonous things, they get sick. So a mother bear will chew up food and blow that smell into the cub's face and then feed the cub the food. This plant means this. You have to understand this. It says education, whereas deer don't educate other deer about what they're doing when it comes to mating rituals. When two bucks meet, people are like, oh, they always fight. No, a lot of times they don't. Um, they only fight when they're more evenly matched, but they see each other and they'll do the first thing, which to us is weird. They'll turn sideways. Mm-hmm. We're primates. Our eyes are on the front of our head. We look straight at objects. We face objects. Silverback gorillas do not decide who's strongest by turning sideways. Right. They face each other. They will push each other. They will stamp the ground. They're demonstrating their force. Right. A deer turned broadside. A large ruminant turned broadside is showing you, look at how big and healthy I am. Yep. We do it too. All human beings do this. And we do it at levels where I don't think people understand it. You know, it's somebody's like, well, I prefer, you know, this type of thing. Like, I prefer this type of individual based on what? Like, mm-hmm. you think that you just came up with that on your own? Right. That's your biology talking. Right. And yet we've got systems that now are kind of fractured, but you see it in, in certain systems where we understand why people would do it. And yet we've convinced ourselves that animals behave like animals we don't know how to read animals, and we're not animals. Mm-hmm. So we have this complicated communication system. We'd be so much better if we could combine the two. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for know? sure. Well, and that, I think, is like is the most interesting thing now is that we have, in pre-colonial, pre-industrial societies, there have always been rules about how you present yourself mm. because... It was only one culture we were worried about, you know, like it was your your people that right. you're communicating with, the people around you. Now we have a global culture mm-hmm. and the rules have gone out the window. Right. Um, but it doesn't mean that how we choose to modify our bodies doesn't fall into the same categories it always has. It's just a little bit more complicated. It's, yeah, it's way more complicated. You know. Well, that and the other thing, too, is I wonder if we're going back to... You see more and more people are reverting to animal self. And when you don't have anything to grasp onto and everything's chaos, you go back to base. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not in a bad position for that, but understanding why we modify ourselves is the next step. Right, right. And I think, I mean, the... The main thing is that our bodies are mirrors in which our personalities reflect society and society reflects us. Um, Because we're enculturated within a specific society, our social values and standards are kind of built into us. Um, But it's different all over the world. So like our social standards are not the same as the social standards in Taiwan or in New Zealand or even in, you know, Spain, Mm. we have our own. So we have this global culture that has very kind of different, everyone's coming from a very different place, but we're all kind of decorating our bodies the same at this point. Right. And it means very different things. It relates in very different ways. Um, because what we see, what popular culture kind of has shown us, we kind of take in that information and then 
it gets transmitted kind of through our personalities. Right. I, I think it's, it's always interesting, too. I, I hear people talk about this, uh, that, you know, it's new. This is new, which is insane. Oh, yeah. Because there isn't anything new about what we're doing. Or, yeah. You know. There's nothing new in the universe. There's nothing, yeah, there's nothing new. As people go like, oh, I didn't know about this thing, but this is my idea. Dude, I don't have any of my own ideas. Mm-hmm. I have what other people gave me and then I'm building on it, you know? Right. It doesn't matter how creative or original I think it was. Somebody else has done it beforehand. I'm remixing the same ingredients right. to make a different cookie, so right. to speak. Totally. You know, when when we talk about tattooing, uh, at least in my mind, I go to what I know. I remember hearing in the early 90s about the Picts and, and people get this confused all the time. Like, so who are the Picts? And like, it's it's, they're different tribal groups. It's like, it would be like, you know, colonials going, well, they're Indians. What the hell does that mean? Like, you, right. you're talking about 90 different groups of people, at minimal, that yeah. don't maybe share something in common. The only thing they share in common is it's not your culture. Right. And you can't read it. Yep, yep. You know? The, when the Picts uh, destroy the Romans on the field of battle, it's their body modification that does most of the work. And, no, and nobody really wants to give it. I love the idea of these valiant people that are somehow related to me, that are somehow crushing this giant war machine. And it's like, that's not really accurate. What you've got is you've got a rigid, organized society that has standards and rules. That's the Romans. Yep. But the Picts also have this. But those societies and their structures are so vastly different oh, for sure. that when one intrudes on another... You have Brutus writing back to Caesar. We have records of it that the Picts are so horrifying in battle. They don't adhere to any cultural norms. They won't even wear clothing into battle. They're naked. They're naked in battle, bizarre enough. Human beings don't like you. There's a reason why there are shows out there that deal with people being naked in the woods. Right. You know, because human beings are horrified by this. Why would you do that? So they're naked. They're tattooed or painted or both. Uh, the woad pigment they use on their flesh make them look to the Romans like they're undead. They are wearing white locked hair with clay. They look like a corpse to the Romans. And so the Roman army breaks and flees. Well, this is the first example of how this works. Also remember that even before the Romans adopt Christianity, like way before they adopt Christianity, the Romans already had started to do their own thing in their culture, which see, we could see reflected, I could see it in the colonial era all the way up to oh, the yeah. 50s and beyond in this country about what is acceptable and what isn't. The Romans had no problem marking slaves. They'd do this, they'd mark their faces and their hands. Uh, the Romans had no problem marking traitors or criminals, the caste members of society. Mm-hmm. And we can probably safely assume that in the upper echelon of Roman society there were people who had marks that might have been hidden. And they definitely wore clothing and hairstyles and ornamentation that made them the elite. Oh, yeah. You know, as we get further into Europe and our modern history, and the reason we have to do this is because most of us are living in a westernized society. Most of us have a society that's foundations are in European society. Mm -hmm. And Europeans were one of the first groups of people in the modern world that had their culture taken away from them. So they lose their marks. You know, when, when the Romans adopt Christianity, you know, around the Council of Nicaea, 
shortly afterwards, 325 AD, you know, the, uh, the Emperor Constantine says, okay, no more tattoos, except for on slim, criminals and slaves, but we're going to be nice about it. We're not going to put them on their no faces. No more face tattoos. You know, <laughs> and, well, that's barbaric. Right, yeah, that's barbaric, you know, not like anything else is. Um, it takes a while, though, because these groups of people are not yet crushed. And you can see this in 787 mm-hmm. when Pope Hadrian made it illegal to modify the body in, in the form of tattooing their scars uh, with the exception of criminals and whatnot because our body is made in God's own image and if we're defiling it, we're defiling God's image and we're insulting God. Again, total disregard for everybody else but this is where the steamroller of body modification is heading. Um, you see it I mean, we, we talked about like breast binding or breast ironing, mm-hmm. you know, practices that are technically, you know, and again, that's also because breasts are an outward symbol that a woman is reaching sexual maturity. In a lot of your North African countries, breast binding and in Spain, breast binding became uh, breast ironing became a practice in order to get women further ahead in life. So you're getting rid of those sex characteristics that could make people think it's time to reproduce, hopefully delaying puberty. So instead of signifying it's time to join, using it as camouflage, it's not time to join, we're, we're not doing this, and that way people could become maybe more educated. You know, again, that's, that's yeah, body modification. Absolutely. You know? Uh, it, it's wild. I tend to see this, and, you know, people go, well, is that really how it works? Yeah, that's really how it is. Uh, when we were in school, we had to read the Scarlet Letter. Mm, yeah. You know, which is Puritan tale about morality and this one individual commits adultery and is forced to wear the Scarlet Letter, you know, on her person at all times, which starts out as a shame mark. It's mm-hmm. a shame badge. Before the book ends, other people are angry because she's wearing a more well-embroidered Scarlet A and she's owning the mark. So now it's a symbol that is a threat. Yep. It's, it's not part of the group. It's gone from being the lowest level to moving on up, right, you know? Right, right. Uh, and which is how, you, you know, her personality comes through the, the restrictions of her society, which is fast. She, she took something that was meant to be an, an insult and was like, fuck all y'all. I'm gonna... <laughs> I'm going to wear this as a badge of honor. Like, I'm going to make this the best A badge I could possibly have it. And that is how you you turn the tables on the rules of your culture, which is where, like... It's like a, it's like tattooing a, ended up eventually. The Puritan slut walk. It's, <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't, like, I love, I love that. I love the idea, and I also think this happens around the Revolutionary War, we had a lot of people who were maybe criminals. They'd committed acts. They would have their uh, the palm of their hand burned. Right. So you'd go to shake hands with someone and you'd feel the scar. Mm-hmm. Or you'd go to give them something and you'd see the scar. This is a criminal. And yet, I think shortly after that starts to change quite a bit because a lot of our criminals were also our revolutionary people who helped us win our independence. Right. So it becomes a very weird, like... That mark, which then brings your enemy down, could also be the mark that your enemy uses 
as their standard to overthrow things. Right, absolutely. You know, and absolutely. if uh, human beings, if, if we're anything, we're, we're good at resistance. Yes, <laughs> for sure. We Thankfully. Certainly we certainly are. I, I feel like I see that happen. I, we know documented that around the Civil War, there's a lot of people getting tattoo work done. Mm-hmm. We know that, you know, rank and information, not just for the purpose that it can't be taken because you've earned it, like we talked about, like yeah. you, you point out, but on top of that, it's a it's a mark. We can identify a body. I know I've done a lot of people wouldn't even know what these are meat tags on people. A uh, meat tag is information that goes like in the armpit area on the ribs, so that if you get blown up in war, they find the majority of your body. They might still be able to identify. And of course, now we have genetic identification, yeah, so there's sure. that. But that's what people were doing in the Civil War. Civil War in this country involves so many people on both sides. And after they leave, aside from the fact that you have people who are modified through warfare, so maybe they ended up with an amputation or a disability, uh, their body has changed, they also are marked with the tattoos. And I feel like you've got an incubation cycle of one generation who saw parents come home, who saw their older brothers come home with these marks, and by the 1880s you have... Uh, you have the tattoo machine coming into creation. Mm-hmm. You have the public shows where people are touring the country as tattooed sideshows. You know, it, it doesn't disappear. It keeps reemerging again. Right, yeah. right. And I think it's, it's interesting that we always come back to it. Like, it always comes back into society somehow, especially these permanent kinds of marks. Like, the our Indo-European American culture has tried to get rid of these things for thousand years and we still keep coming back to it. it, We we always keep cycling back and it's because it's built into our nature, which we'll talk a lot more about. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. But I think the, the fascinating thing is we always find a way to turn it back. Like it's bad. It's not, appropriate socially speaking but we're gonna do it anyway right Right. we're gonna we're gonna you know there's a small group and then it's a bigger group and then it's a bigger group and then it cycles again like i i I, you know it's probably not the place to say it but i kind of find this funny with the last 10 years of you know the louder voice from the trans movement people go this is new um yeah, the native people in this country had names for this, and it was part of most society. Human beings will always have the following elements as part of society. The sooner we just go, yeah, that's part of who we are, Yeah, the better we're all going to be because right. it doesn't have to be a threat. It's not dangerous. It's just part of who we are as a people. Mm-hmm. You know, there are always going to be warriors amongst our group. We need them. We need healers. We need everybody. They all have different parts they can add to the whole thing, but we want to make it uniform. And human beings, maybe as part of our evolution, definitely like uniformity. Everybody fits into this coalesced thing. Yeah. Coalescence and everything being uniform is static and it doesn't grow. There's no, yeah, there's no movement. I I wish people understood, so you see that in the 1800s and then you see, you know, I wish people, I remember hearing this as a kid and being fascinated by it, that uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand was shot 
through his tattoo, and that started World War One. <laughs> Being part of a religious cult, you get some weird information, and it was in the early, mid-80s that that was brought to our attention. And the people who were pointing it out were, you know, they're their own group, and they have their own marks, and their own distinctions, and their own... And they liked to point out that he was shot not only through a tattoo, but through the head of a serpent. Because in that tradition, they think it's heralding the end of the world. Ah, yes. But again, there is that event shining light on what the upper class is doing. Here's a person who I bet you couldn't see his tattoos. You know, he's wearing all the upper echelon garb. This person is royalty. And yet, what is the royalty doing? They're doing the exact same thing that the carnival people are doing. They're doing the same thing that we're doing to the criminals. We're doing it to the outcasts. You know, they are also, okay, well, I get to have this badge. And it's all the people in the middle who look at this and go, we're not one or the other. Right. They're not getting it, you know? Right, So that happens. We have World War I. We do have people receiving marks in World War I. It's not... You know, amongst the sailors, amongst the maritime community, they carry on these traditions almost always. For sure. Um, And we know pirates, you know, maritime tradition, they did these things, you know. uh, I'm trying to think of what the other name for that is, but I'm sure it'll come back to me at the wrong moment in time. We have, in this country, you know, the Roaring Twenties, everybody goes out and you have different modifications, dress and abstaining from drinking or, or, or drinking, you know, underground. And... When everything crashes around the Great Depression, you see even more carnival sideshows. More people are tattooed, and we saw the same thing in 2008. When I was tattooing in 2008, when the market was starting to crash, I had people come in and say, I'm getting this tattoo because this is something they can't take from me. Mm -hmm. You know, you see this during the Great Depression. So tattoos are still in the public consciousness. In fact, at a point in time where everything is dreary and dim, you've got people going and seeing this activity and saying, there's creative, artistic, you know, ownership of self in a place where I can't even get a good meal. I, I love that. Yeah. World War II comes, we have another war event, and now it gets even more interesting. We have tattooing on all sides. There's traditions of Germans doing it. We are doing it. The Allied forces are doing it. The Axis forces in doing it, there are there is still a connection to some extent in Japan of warriors and tattooing, even though it's relegated usually to working class people or, you know, whatnot. It's not looked well upon. Right. But it's also happening for its other traditional use in the concentration camps. We are marking those who are subject subjecticated under our rule or under the rule of of evil and must be marked as less than. Here you are, you're marked but we're all doing it. You know, those people get marked, our our military get marked and they come back and it's just been carnival people. Well, now it's carnival people and military people. And the military, they already have like you've pointed out many times to me. They have their own ranking system. They can it's complicated and we get into that another time. And they do this. They have this whole marking system it becomes more and more pop culture to the point now where we even have shirts and stickers and stuff for the last 20 years that say tattoos. They're not just for sailors and whores anymore. Yeah. Thus, again, we're combining as well, it's the warrior class and the lower class. It's the untouchables. <clears throat> and this keeps moving forward. And as rebellion in the 60s takes place, people modify, right? right? They're modifying hair, clothing, they're tattooing, they're piercing. 
by the 70s, it's becoming more and more mainstream. Uh, bodybuilding comes in, you know, as we talked about. And in the 80s, now it's, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Mm-hmm. So not only are we talking about women starting to take control of themselves and starting to say, hey, no, 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 this is our position in society is as equals. Who's doing it? A woman who is like characteristically somebody that we all of us who grew up with her look back and go, I love that look. The the modified extremely modified hair, the bright colors, the pierced ears. But who's her counter in the video is a professional wrestler, Captain Lou Albano, who passed this October, and he's got a piercing in his face. And it doesn't even make sense. It's like a safety pin with elastics. I remember as a kid looking at it and we couldn't even make sense of it. <laughs> you know? But it became mainstream. It became something that became part of the modern body modification movement. And now that we are all starting to own our own body, we're starting to take our own body and say, no, it's not your business what I look like. It's my business what I do. That's great. But now we're at this next phase where we're going, okay, there's something missing though. Right. So this is the, this is the thing that I find most interesting is that in this global society where we have a lot more say over what we get to do to our bodies that how we interpret the world through ourselves which is what we're doing marking decorating ours whether it's our clothing or it's cosmetics or it's our hair color or haircut or tattoos or piercings or scarification and all of these things we have so much more knowledge, inspiration. Um, we have access to different cultural histories and, and aesthetics that it still comes back to these same two things. The way you decorate yourself is how you want to be read by those around you. Mm. So the rules aren't really there anymore. Like, right. We're kind of making them up. Socially, there are some, like you associate a man in a suit as a businessman or someone doing an office job. Very, that used to be something that meant they probably made a lot of money. Now, probably not so much, depending on the quality of the suit. Right, yeah, there you go. You know, and that's, and these are the things that we look at now. You look at, all of these women online who are um, doing makeup tutorials that is a huge Instagram and YouTube and they're, and they're always talking about what makeup they're using. And it's either super expensive makeup or look at, I can make this fancy makeup look with cheap makeup. Right. So it's, it's either saying, look at all this money I spent on makeup. That's, how important this is to me. And also look at all this money I have to spend on makeup. Right. Or it's look at how you can fool people into thinking you spend a lot of money on makeup. Right. Which is, I I want to piggyback on that because that is, not only does that talk about, you know, income and class, Mm -hmm. we all know that I go to a, I belong to an organization that I have to wear a suit to. And I don't understand suits even a little. I have no idea. And so to me, a $100 suit looks the same as a $5,000 suit. And I've had people point it out and I stand there and go, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't get it. 
but it's also not my traditional modification. And it's not that I'm wearing a cheap suit to be disrespectful. I simply can't tell the difference. So I wear... So there's no reason yeah. to invest in something that doesn't feel or look any different. Right. I just, I want to be, it's a clean suit and it's appropriate. So I'm not disrupting anything. Yeah. That's really what it is. Right. When people bring up makeup, you know, I've heard people say it's, well, it's just something we do, or it's something that's forced on upon us by society, or it's, and then I always think of stuff like, you know, the survival of the prettiest, where the person is literally, these, these two researchers, by the way, I know you know this, but both of them are women uh, from MIT, I think. Uh, they're both talking about this idea where it's, this was a technique used by women to make men look them in the face. Because the best way to judge a mate, part of it again with animals, mm -hmm. is symmetry and health. Yeah. If you can't get them to engage with you and they're not holding your gaze, then they're not really interested. You can look at them and go, okay, he's got symmetry. Can he make a good sentence? Men are not verbally as interesting as women men use many things like men use words, yeah, yeah unless they're me fewer. they use three thousand a day <laughs> and women tend to use like ten thousand a day right so like we already know and this bothers people that women evolved in such a way that their bodies tell the males when they're reproductively viable mm -hmm. and how reproductively viable mm -hmm. but as an evolutionary advantage women use makeup right they take that and it again, it comes back to finding a mate. Um, right. You know, like you take what is available to you and you tweak what you were given. Unfinished body. Right. Um, you know, like you make yourself a little bit more symmetrical looking. You distract from flaws. I mean, these are all, all things that we do consciously and unconsciously. Um, and, you know, we're still doing them. Even in the tattoo community, you have um, often younger kids get lots of really small tattoos because quantity is more important than quality. Right. They're, they do these, um, you know, $30, $31, Friday the 13th <laughs> tattoos, you know, or want every deal that they... They don't, they don't care what the images as long as they get another tattoo and they can afford it it doesn't cut into their you know food budget too much um and then you look at a tattoo collector who you know has a full sleeve that they've worked with a particular artist for years to, to finish for many many sittings hopefully maybe not years but maybe they're doing a full body suit and that might take years right but they're they might both have an equal number of tattoos, but the quality of those tattoos is very different. And the volume. And like, the, the, yeah, and you, it's how they're interpreting society, you know, the culture. Right. Um, it, it makes me think of the, uh, well, I, I love seeing it now with a lot of the strength athleticism that has become like commonplace, mm -hmm. not naming any particular group, but like there's a lot of that out yeah. there. And so people have finally thrown away the idea of it just matters what you look like. The old quote used to be curls for girls. Like now it's functional strength. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares 100% what you look like. If you're powerful, that's your objective. Right. You know, power is more interesting than appearance. And 
you can have a small tattoo that's deeply meaningful, or you can have a bunch of small tattoos. And that's what I hear people say all the time. Like, I have 13 tattoos. Well, it's the counting right. thing, yeah. though, is, oh. is, is interesting to me is... It's it is a a competition. It's a gaining right. of it's. I I have been through this experience this many times, um, which is very interesting. Versus I've sat for, you know, twenty hours right. on this piece so far. Um, they they're the same thing, but they're not the same thing. And no. it's and but it also is often pers- like how your perspective in the world is the who you're around what culture you're translating the universe through will impact what how you interpret tattoo culture right you know or or any any fashion culture any any sort of you have groups of people who are very anti-high fashion and they're like everything is thrifted Uh, everything i buy secondhand and i make it my you know and that's how they interpret the world. And then there are people that would never be caught dead in a thrift store because somebody else has worn that. Um, and that's wild. And that doesn't show, you know, that they can spend a lot of money on expensive things. But it comes back to it's social the same, status. It's the same thing. Uh, and and you can you could talk about this forever and ever and ever. Um, spiritual and religious things too. I mean, everybody has their belief systems. Um, there's many people that mark their bodies with symbols of their belief systems, whether they're Christian or ha- have Buddhist tendencies or um, are pagan of some kind, or just like the idea of chakras. Mm. You know, like there's many kind of ways to interpret. You see that just as much. Actually, I also see it in like non-spiritual systems, so political belief systems. Mm -hmm. And I can oftentimes look at someone and go, I see how you wear your hair, I know how you vote. Mm -hmm. Which is wild now. And and people, and they don't, I don't think they know it, but they have, you have created an organic structure, an archetype of what your group looks like. Mm -hmm. And now the rest of the group spends time trying to outdo each other to make themselves look more like mm-hmm. whatever they think the archetype is. Yeah. Until someone goes too far off the cliff and then everybody goes, yeah, but not like that. <laughs> and no one wants to be the outlier. No, no. But they also, you know, it's that need. And again, it points to what the original point that you made in the first podcast and what we're talking about is that there is an evolutionary drive here. Why would human beings do this if it wasn't present, if it wasn't mm-hmm. something that is ingrained in us? Yeah, there are plenty of goons out there, you know, now we see with a lot of the stolen valor stuff, where somebody, the same way I can't read a suit, they can't read a military uniform, but they know if they wear a military uniform, that is, you know, them being that thing. And then they get called on on it because military members know what those badges mean. Right. The same way that the people, you know, stealing Maori tattoo designs in the 90s and even now even when I tell them like you don't have a right to that that's not you they don't know what it means right so it's like you know somebody who's you know Kiwi looking at that going why does it say you're a master carpenter I can look at you and I know you're not a master right, carpenter right, right. and that says you're a master carpenter something doesn't add up here right and that's that's worse than even trying to be too zealous in your 
you know, your modification is to lie about it. And that's the one thing humans don't tolerate is... Right, well, and that's yeah. always the thing that in, in cultures that have very specific modification traditions, um, there are very specific rules. Even going back to, like, only royalty can wear purple and... Oh, Jesus, certain yeah. time periods uh, uh, in European history because it was really expensive fabric. So only royalty can afford it. And if you are pretending to be royalty by wearing purple, you are like in big trouble. Right. Um, but lying about who you are is a very, very big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you're, if you're trusting how you're representing your, yourself, who you are, where you're from, in your, how you're decorating your body... Decorating it in a way that is a lie is like a moral and like universal affront. Um, and usually it was punished with um, us- the threat of, of spiritual violence, um, as in you will be, uh, you know, made insane by demons or catch some evil colds that will kill you. Who knows? Um but also there's usually like a very physical punishment um, up to and including death. Um, you know, the, you can't mark yourself as something that you're not. Right. And that is like the main thing. Although now we're in this very strange space. Well, we're, we're always in flux, right? It makes me, you know, again, growing up around a religious cult, you know, we got the Leviticus 19.21, you know, thou shalt not lie with you know another man thou shall not shave thy side lock short thou shall not make graven images in thy flesh i am your god jehovah whatever the yeah. actual wording is and i could remember that there was problems with this in my house because my parents didn't understand why any of that had to do with it and my stepfather wears a beard so there's always this wait a minute, you guys are all clean shaven. Well, we have to fit into the modern society. We shouldn't do it, but we do it. Yeah, but I thought it was a spiritual commandment. Yeah, it is, but this other part is what we find unacceptable. Right. So you're showing that there are holes in the system. I think people now, especially younger people who didn't grow up with as much of the restrictions, are looking at everything going, well, why can't we do it? And they do it and they want to do it and they want to be happy about it. They also don't want to be attacked for it. And yet they don't understand why other people don't agree with them on their modifications or they don't understand where the, where's the line. Right. Like, well, it's like people are coming in for their first tattoo and they want it on their hand. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Or on their neck yep. or on their face. And because that's very popular right now, you know? There's oh, God, lots yeah. Of, there's lots of musicians, pop cultural figures that have tattoos in these places and they don't understand that it really is a job killer. Um, it is, it's also a huge step. When I got and, my hands tattooed 25 years ago, that was a, like, whoa, what are you doing? It cost yeah. me jobs. It, I did it because I didn't want to ever end up working in an industry that did not reflect who I was as a human being. Mm-hmm. And I knew that this was the industry I belonged in. So as a way of forcing myself out of certain circles, right. I marked myself in a way I couldn't deny. Yep. And that has changed my life. Absolutely. So, but you also did that knowingly. I did it knowingly. It's like stretching my ears. Knowingly. When I was 18 or whatever, I knew it was a permanent modification. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I could have my earlobes cut off, but that's terrible. Right. 
But I knew going into it, I was never going to be able to hide them. So anybody who had any opinion about it is not probably somebody I wanted to work for or be around. I, I mean, you and I both, I think, do this to an extent. You know, when I had you tattoo my face and I tattooed your face this fall, part of that is definitely, yeah, when I was four, I saw this line. I saw war paint. Mm-hmm. It's something that is me. Yeah. And then society wouldn't accept it. I couldn't do that. So now that I'm in a point in life where I not only can but should do it, Yeah. I had you do it. You did a beautiful job. And uh, very, very gentle. I don't know who taught you, but they might know, know something. Some guy. <laughs> some but guy. Some dude. Uh, you know. But once you have it, there's also this conscious awareness of it. Oh, yeah. You know, I tell this to people and they go, that shouldn't matter. Yeah, but it does. Yeah. I know that once I did this, I was forced into a position where now I better be a lot more friendly. Mm-hmm. I better smile more. Because this, especially when I'm not in the best of moods, definitely telegraphs a don't fuck with me attitude. (laughs) And that's not really what I'm going for. It's part part of who I am, but it's not. Right. And then you use that. You don't amplify that part of yourself. Like, yeah, I'm already grumpy enough. I better work on smiling more now that I have this mark on my body because I don't want to horrify anyone. And while it's not my job to say you represent everyone else who has it, uh, it you is. Do. And we all yeah, do. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Which is another thing I think a lot of people don't understand is like when you're heavily modified, you represent everyone else. You represent exactly. Modified. And if you do not comport yourself well, then it makes everyone look terrible. Right. And it shouldn't. I love when people, I genuinely agree with them. I love when our clients say to us, but it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. You're Absolutely. right. It shouldn't. And someday all the people that it does matter to will be dead. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Probably okay. not. But, Probably but quite not a few all of them. them. Quite a few. But, I mean, the generations that really have strong... I mean, I, I get a lot of people in my chair that are worried about their grandparents and what their grandparents think about their modifications. Um, or their parents... I have people who are in their mid-30s with their own children that are like, oh, my mom's going to kill me for getting another tattoo. I'm like, ah, just just don't worry about it. Your mother is not you, number one, and they come from a different time. I mean, when my mother got her ears pierced in her 30s, she waited that long because my grandmother thought that only loose women had ears (laughs) pierced. My so mother had been married for many, many years at yeah. that point. You know, like, it was a big it was a big deal that she You're pierced right. her ears in the, it would have been in the 80s. Um, like, those people still exist that think that way, but that has nothing to do with you. Um, like, you control your own body, right. but you do always have to be aware of those, the line is things like hands and faces and necks and you might not be able to get a job and you either are going to be okay with that or you're not going to be okay with that and if you're not okay with it don't do it yet well the shame you're right and the, the shaming uh, I, I think back like 10 years ago I had the back of my hand tattooed mm-hmm. uh by my friend Joe at the Boston convention mm-hmm. and I did it as a dedication to my grandmother mm-hmm. you know and I ran into one of my cousins shortly afterwards who I think saw my grandmother two, maybe three times a year tops. I lived four houses down the street from her. I spent every weekend with her. Yeah. She was the most even-tempered human being I've ever met, especially for her age. 
And uh, she had no problem with, you know, all sorts of things that I think even people in their 40s now have a problem with. She was open-minded. That's the first thing he said. He goes, well, you know how much grandma liked tattoos? And you're like, what are you going for? Right. Like, are you trying to shame me into not being myself? You come from a much more rigid household. You're a person who I deeply love and respect. You went into the military. Now you're in law enforcement. You see conformity and adherence to rules, even though you don't adhere to them necessarily either, because you're also like me. Uh, he very much is. Yeah. But at the same time, like you see that as survival, and that's his way of goading me into, like, I don't approve of what you're doing. But I can't say that to you, so I will bring up Grandma! I'm like, yeah, she's been dead for, you know, years. six years now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, again, like, you know, would she? Or... Is that just, you, you care. This is you saying you care. Right, All right, right, right. We'll go with that. Yeah. That's... Yeah. The world, we're going to get there. We're going to find the spiritual source. We're going to find the deeper meaning. And for the people who choose to embrace that, they're going to embrace that. And for the people who don't, they won't. But it's important that you share this information. It's important that you help people do this. And I think that's one of my favorite reasons as to why we would do this at all, is to mm-hmm. give people the insight. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to, uh, to understand. Um, I mean, I, I like to know all the things about all the things. Yes. Um, so I think it's important to understand what you're doing, where it comes from, what the history of it is, where um, in your subconscious it might be coming from. Because it doesn't invalidate it. It actually makes it more valid. It is part of the human condition to change your body. Period. End of story. There is nothing else. There is not a single group of people in the face of the earth that doesn't do something to themselves. Whether it is just wearing clothing or it's just cutting their hair and not wearing anything, doesn't matter. We all change our bodies. And understanding why we're doing it, where the drive comes from, I think helps us make it a more effective process like there's a reason that we're doing it so next time we are talking about modification in the context of human evolution oh boy i am super excited i am very excited about this um there i have been doing crazy amounts of research like too much (laughs) probably no most people who don't uh, because i live with you and have been married to you for two decades plus i if people actually understood what you mean by that, I, like I'm obsessive about certain subjects, it pales in comparison to the level of obsessive. I because I like to have answers. Yes. So I'm digging. I am digging into lots of different things, but how we evolved to modify ourselves is what we're going to be talking about next week. I'm so looking forward to or at this. least we're going to start that conversation. I'm not sure. How yeah, that might that might be a multi episode conversation. Yeah. So. So stay tuned. And by next week, we mean like hopefully in the next 10 days. Yeah, we, we tried to get this out yesterday. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the first one was kind of, it, it happened too easy. It was one shot, one take. It's like that, that squirrel. Yeah, and that's like the squirrel. Yep, and we'll expand on that conversation at it's a certain point. It's going to be more complicated than we imagined. It's way but, more complicated. But, but that's that, all right. That, that makes it more fun. Absolutely. All right, so stay tuned for next time. Yep. And thanks for joining us today on our little ramble. (laughs) The social body constrains the way the physical body is perceived. 
the physical experience of the body, always modified by the social categories through which it is known, sustains a particular view of society. There is a continual exchange of meanings between the two kinds of bodily experience so that each reinforces the categories of the other. As a result of this interaction, the body itself is a highly restricted medium of expression. The forms it adopts in movement and repose express social pressures in manifold ways. The care that is given to it in grooming, feeding, and therapy, the theories about what it needs in way of sleep and exercise, about the stages it should go through, the pains it can stand, its span of life, all the cultural categories in which it is perceived must correlate closely with the categories in which society is seen insofar as they also draw upon the same culturally processed idea of the body. Mary Douglas, Natural Symbols.